is going on outside? Sorry, there's like, is that a car alarm or just someone honking rhythmically? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes there's a pedestrian that bothers you and you just do it like in time to the music or whatever. <laughs> God damn it, I have a joke and I can't do it because it's beeping. are tagging us in yeah yes but it's another surprise episode so what can i do it's about a diet that's your hint welcome to maintenance phase the podcast where the only thing that's thin is the research wait it was <laughs> it sounded really good and then i was like wait a minute check for content i did i did a bad one fat research that's what we traffic in fat, yeah fat research <laughs> Uh, I'm Aubrey Gordon. I'm Michael Hops. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash maintenance phase. You can also get t-shirts, mugs, tote bags, all kinds of stuff at TeePublic. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's the same audio as the Patreon. All of that is linked for you in the show notes. Michael. Aubrey. Over the last couple of episodes, we have had some rough content. It's been dark. I thought today we had a little change of topic. Mm -hmm. My other topic was also going to be more intense stuff. Uh, and I wanted something that wasn't a full existential bummer. I don't believe you that this one won't be a bummer, but you know what? <laughs> I'll let you take me there. I mean, it's not going to be not a bummer, but it's not going to okay. make you like hopeless for the state of the world. Level four hopeless. We need like a level four, level five hopeless episode. So today we are talking about the F factor diet. The F factor. I take it from that, that you have not heard of the F factor. Nothing. My mind is empty. So you don't know what the F in F factor sounds like. Is it fit? Oh, keep going. Keep guessing things. Let's actually just do this for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> the first 15 minutes of the show are Mike going through the dictionary. Mike guesses F words. Pharaoh <laughs> uh, powder? No. No, the F in F factor is for fiber. Oh. The diet was first introduced in 2006. That's when the diet book came out initially. Mm. It was created by a registered dietitian named Tanya Zuckerbrot. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to just let her introduce the diet. We've got a little ad clippy clip thing Ooh, okay. to watch. F-Factor is like no other diet out there. It is based on four disruptive principles that are counterintuitive to everything that we believe about the weight loss space. We're told to cut out carbs, don't drink alcohol, don't dine out, and work out harder. And where'd that leave us? we are fatter than ever as a nation. Fast forward 15 years, tens of thousands of clients have benefited from our F-Factor method. If something in your life feels mediocre, you don't have to accept that if you're willing to do the work. Why is the music so loud? It's like watching Dawson's Creek. Uh, <laughs> so this is a very thin, very conventionally attractive woman with like long black hair. And halfway through the clip, we get a graphic that says four disruptive principles, <laughs> and they are eat carbs, dine out, drink alcohol, work out less. These are disruptive principles, I gotta say. If she's going for counterintuitive, like, Freakonomics style, you thought it was this, <laughs> but it's actually that. She nailed it. I mean, these are, these are things people tell you not to do if you're trying to lose weight. Yeah, I mean, it sounds wild she has a bunch of these little sayings like these are our four disruptive principles she says 
Fiber and protein at every meal makes losing weight no big deal. If the glove doesn't fit. She's saying all these things about disruptive principles and you don't work out and you do drink and you do go out to eat and then you get into the diet. Wherein you are supposed to get a minimum of 35 grams of fiber per day. Is that a lot? I don't know grams. In the USDA's gendered categories, they say that women should get 25 grams of fiber a day and men should get 38 grams of fiber. Okay. So this diet is 10 grams over USDA recommendations. That's a 40% increase in daily fiber for women if you're getting the recommended amount already, which most of us aren't, right? Should we talk about what fiber is? So fiber is uh, also known as inulin, um, is sort of its nutrition name. Okay. Fiber slows down your digestion, which helps manage blood sugar. That's especially important for people who have elevated blood sugar, like people with diabetes or sometimes people with polycystic ovarian syndrome or insulin insensitivity, all of that kind of stuff. Fiber also famously sort of keeps you regular. That's all I know about it. Okay. <laughs> it's just the pooping part. You just know the bombing. All I know is the poop stuff, which is why I've never learned anything more okay, than that good. about fiber. Good, good, good. It's like genuinely very good for you. My understanding is that like, yeah, try to get more fiber. It's like genuinely good advice because lots of things have fiber. You're not like starving yourself or doing any like weird diet behavior. It's just like, oh, try to eat stuff that isn't like broken down and reconstituted. Totally. Most of us have sort of wrong ideas about where there is and is not fiber in foods. This was going to be my next question because I have no idea. If I was going to get more fiber, I don't know what I would start doing. I have run headlong into this because some of my favorite foods in general are very high in fiber. Oh, And okay. I have absolutely had instances where I have overdone it on fiber. I will not be asking you for any further specifics about that. No one needs details. What are the foods? I eat a lot of pecans. Pecans are super high in fiber. Most berries, raspberries in particular, and blackberries are super duper high in fiber. Oh, yeah. Beans and seeds high in fiber. Hmm. With fiber, as with so many other things, the dose makes the poison, right? To quote every toxicologist ever. Yes. Too much fiber is known to cause abdominal pain, bloating and gas pain, constipation or diarrhea, roll the dice, and Dehydration. If you're eating a lot of fiber, oh. you have to drink more water because fiber really is sort of a sponge, right? Huh. That's the lowdown on fiber. It's a good thing to have. Most of us get way, way, way not enough. Mm -hmm. And this diet recommends way more than the USDA. Right. The thing that this diet has that other diets don't reliably have is it is hella fucking confusing. <laughs> the diet is clear that you shouldn't track calories. This is repeated in the book <laughs> multiple times, just macronutrients plus fiber. And you're also instructed to keep a food journal and track your protein and fiber and carbs and make sure that okay. all of those are staying where they need to stay. Right. Okay. But the reason they say you shouldn't count calories is that there is quote, an inherent calorie cap built into the diet. Okay. They're telling you essentially the levels that you should be operating at mm -hmm. each day in terms of your macronutrients. Oh, so basically if you're eating X grams of fat and carbs and protein, you kind of naturally 
will be eating a set level of calories. Yes, absolutely. So for a couple of reasons, one fiber is indigestible. You can't, your body doesn't absorb it, right? It just moves straight through you. So the idea is you're filling up on fiber. So you feel full. Right. And a number of news stories cited this. I checked it on some of their recipes. It is very much so true that if you eat three meals a day, like the ones listed on their website, like the recipes that they provide, you're eating around a thousand calories a day, maybe less. Whoa. It is extremely low calorie the way that they do it. But I can eat carbs, dine out, drink alcohol and work out less. That sounds much more appealing. It does than a thousand calories a day and you have to eat more fiber than you could even conceptualize. Yeah. I'm just sitting at a Denny's all day having pancakes and a IPA. Yeah, except those pancakes are being made with fiber plus protein powder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like there's definitely a lot of you can eat waffles and then they like have the recipe for the waffles and it's just like protein powder and egg whites. And you're like, Ugh. oh, yeah. Okay. So it's like waffle shaped muscle fibers. It's like waffle that's like chicken with an apostrophe n where you're like okay so it's not chicken got it right? like it's like w-a-f-f-y-l or something yeah. <laughs> like, okay. by 2018 f-factor launched its own line of high fiber diet foods they refer to these as fiber supplements which will become important later on okay. and they have like energy bars essentially with 20 grams of fiber per serving. That's more than most Americans get in a full day in one bar. Oh, wow. It's worth noting this is not the first high fiber diet, nor is it the first high fiber diet to catch on. There was the Pritkin diet released in 1979. Of course. There's also the F plan, which came out in 1983. It also focused on increasing fiber intake. It became a bestseller in the U.S. Okay. They published a reboot of that diet book called F2 in 2006, <laughs> which is somehow not a Vin Diesel vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And 2006 is the same year that the F Factor came out, and it just got totally trounced by the F Factor. There was only room in this town for one high fiber diet, and F Factor absolutely took it. This is how I open all of my grinder conversations. What's your F plan? <laughs> And then they get a worksheet. What's your F plan for us? We're going to talk a tiny bit about the founder of this diet, Tanya Zuckerbrot. She is currently in her 50s. She's originally from Long Island. She is a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. A 2010 piece in the New York Post said that at that time she was charging $4,500 for six meetings. Whoa. By 2013, it was $10,000 for 10 sessions. What? By 2016, that was up, according to Grub Street, that was up to $15,000 for 10 sessions. But at least she's giving the extremely unique advice of eat more fiber. <laughs> and try to eat less food overall. You're paying because you're getting something you can't get anywhere else, which is someone to tell you to drink you get more water and eat more fiber. Great. <laughs> she is also extremely wealthy. For much of this story, uh, a number of reporting outlets report that she lives in a Park Avenue apartment in New York 
that is uh, worth $22.5 million. Whoa. Where's her money from? She is, uh, you know, I think from a wealthy family. And also okay. she married a dude who is a real estate magnate kind of a guy. Oh. She has sort of two origin stories for the creation of the diet. One of those origin stories is that she says it came out of her private practice treating people with diabetes and heart disease that she's like, mm. I was just trying to manage their sugar. I was just trying to manage their cholesterol. And then lo and behold, they lost all this weight. And I thought, what if other people could lose weight this way? Okay. And then the other one is an origin story where she talks about thinking that she might be the kind of person who could eat anything and just stay thin like her first husband and she tries an experiment where she just eats what she wants and she gains like 24 pounds and then she loses it by eating a bunch of fiber. Okay. And she's like, so I get it, guys. <laughs> this is your favorite thing where it's somebody who lost like an extremely modest amount of weight that they yeah. only gained very temporarily. Yeah. And then for the rest of their lives. Yeah. They're like, I've been there. Believe me, I had all the excuses. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing to know about Tanya is that she has been appearing on TV as sort of a talking head dietitian for well over a decade. Okay. So when there are stories about the quote unquote teen obesity epidemic is one that I saw from her mm. when there is like Congress is coming for our French fries and school meals. Oh yeah. She'll show up around that kind of stuff. Many of her appearances have been on Fox news. Oh, and this diet was written about in a memoir called settle for more. Oh, that's good. Uh, about losing post baby weight by Megan Kelly. Oh, oh man. Her first appearance on the show. God. Yeah, to it's amazing that it's taken this long. God, I just got such a chill up my spine. <laughs> just remembering the existence of this person. My hands just got cold. So the F factor has sort of a slow and steady rise for mm -hmm. a solid 10 or 15 years, right? It gets a good review in Publishers Weekly, which says, quote, decrying fad diets, board certified dietitian Zuckerbrot devised a diet that emphasizes fiber consumption without worrying much about carbs, fats, or calories, to which I say, did we read the same book? Yeah, decrying fad diets, this fad diet is totally different. <laughs> yeah, totally. What do people think totally. fad diets are? It's very weird to me. There is also a New York Post story in 2010. Uh, the headline is, these women want to make you skinny. Mm. And then it's just a picture of a bunch of the F-Factor dietitians in like skirts and stilettos, like looking like hot, thin ladies. <laughs> and the whole story is basically like they're dietitians, but conventionally attractive question mark. These librarians want to give you books. Like <laughs> that's not like a counterintuitive. This chef wants to cook a meal. Like, yeah, yeah I yep. bet. That's what I would expect them to be doing. Okay, so the F-Factor has this sort of steady rise over about 15 years. It gets more and more popular. Particularly, it gets popular in New York. Okay. Many folks outside of New York that I've talked to about this don't have any idea. And then when I talk to people who are in New York, they're like, people won't shut up about it! It's like Dale Chihuly if you live in Seattle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I never get to say this, Aubrey, but I'm 
proud of my internet usage that I never came across this in 15 years. <laughs> it's incredible. I took a quiz at the end of last year that was like, how extremely online were you this year? Okay. And mine was at like the medium level. And I was like, ah! Thank you for not sending that to me because I oh. would have taken it and would have scored like 100 out of 100 and felt bad about myself for like the entire day. So, Michael, <laughs> we're getting to the point that we've all been waiting for, which is the fall of this diet. Ooh. In the spring of 2020, an Instagram account starts posting about F-Factor and about negative reactions that people are having. Okay. The Instagram account is called Dumois. Have you heard about Dumois? Yes. I was involved in the subreddit because of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard stuff. Oh, it was like the only subreddit sure. that was like, ah, oh, this seems to be like a very obvious, like misogynistic attack on a woman who is like very credibly alleging abuse. And that was a super controversial opinion for like six months last year. And still is <laughs> if you say it too loud now. Our inbox is already filling up with people yep. mad about what I just said. So, yes. you know, then Dumois, for any listeners who don't know, is mostly an Instagram account. That's sort of where it started, but it has branched out to be a podcast. There's a subreddit. There's like a lot more going on with Dumois than there used to be. Mm -hmm. So Dumois starts posting stories from their users about very rough side effects that they are having when they use F-Factor products. Oh, okay. Many people are experiencing bloating, gas pains, constipation, diarrhea. Oh. Plenty of the sort of gastrointestinal side effects that appear on lists of too much fiber all at once kind of side effects, right? Ah, uh, okay. But some of them go a lot further than that. Some folks reported hair loss, like their hair was coming out in clumps. Some people reported rashes or hives. A couple of people reported that their tongues swelled or their eyes swelled up. Oh, these are like witches' hexes. These are wild as fuck. And amenorrhea, which is losing your period if you had one before and you stop getting it. Oh, wow. One of the more sensational claims that came out of that is someone who said that they miscarried while they were on the diet. Oh, wow. It is also worth noting that none of these have been verified or fact-checked at this point. It's just a flood of sort of personal experiences with the diet. Or I should say, if Dumois is doing some vetting, I haven't heard about it or read about it, right? It's like, we're getting reports. We're publishing the reports, basically. Absolutely. And Dumois is like a huge account with millions of followers, right? Like, it's a big okay. deal. One of the people watching those Dumois stories is someone named Emily Gellis, now Emily Gellis Landy. She is a fashion influencer. She's currently in her late 30s. She has about 230,000 Instagram followers, so a really significant following. Mm -hmm. She's not done the F-Factor, but she's seeing these experiences, and it really seems to be riling her up. Okay. According to Wondery, she tells them her father is a lawyer, and I will say this— she has extremely big my father is a lawyer energy, <laughs> right? Like, you'll be hearing from my dad about this is absolutely the vibe with that lady. Yeah, we had a kid like that in my Boy Scout troop. He's always yes. trying to sue people. She is also from Long Island, like Tanya Zuckerbrot. Mm -hmm. She starts looking into this diet and finds two Instagram accounts that 
appear to be sort of anonymous accounts making allegations about F Factor in April of 2020 is when she finds those accounts. Okay. Shortly thereafter, she starts posting about F Factor herself and asking people about their experiences on the diet and starts sharing those out. In August, after months of sort of posting about this, Emily goes on Dumois' podcast and talks about the allegations about F-Factor so far. Two weeks later, F-Factor releases a response statement on Instagram where they say their customers are their top priority. They say they're going to release something called a certificate of analysis. Is that something you've heard of before, Mike? No. It's usually delivered with shipments of ingredients for supplements. So like a supplier sends something to someone who's going to custom mix their supplements, right? Oh, okay. And says, we can verify that this pearl powder we're sending to Moon Juice really is pearl powder and doesn't have okay. these dangerous things in it. And we've analyzed the ingredients and it really is what it says it is and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That is an industry practice, not a requirement because as a reminder, the supplement industry is entirely unregulated. Right. They're just saying stuff. They're just saying stuff. So this is yeah. like a courtesy that people provide. Right. But there's no state agency that's like, if you don't have a lab analysis of your supplements, you're done. Are the protein bars supplements? Wouldn't they fall under the FDA's jurisdiction because they're food? Or are they not for some reason? They are marketed as supplements. What? They are marketed as fiber supplements. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. F-Factor releases this statement but within a couple of days it seems like things were already in motion so two days after the dumois podcast perez hilton posts about it oh god this is the most cursed path for a diet story to take a yearbook of people i have not and do not want to think about right (laughs) for years on end the day after perez hilton posts about it page six has a story about it Tanya Zuckerbrot gives them a quote and says, quote, in over two years, we have received less than 50 complaints asking for refunds. This rumor that somehow I created a product that's harming people's health is so malicious and frankly unfounded. So she's fully like, this is all lies. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten complaints about this. It's bullshit. Okay. As press attention grows, that really seems to fan the flames of the Internet speculation about this Mm -hmm. so people start advancing theories about what's going on with f-factor products okay some people say there's got to be a bunch of lead in them some people say the symptoms are probably the result of heavy metals in the products yeah i honestly feel pretty uncomfortable with sort of the internet sleuth culture around this kind of stuff too right that like you basically just have like a ton of speculation based on what are fundamentally like anonymous internet accounts. Yeah. Anytime there's like internet users like solving mysteries, <laughs> I just get yeah. like constitutionally uncomfortable. That was also how I felt at this point in the story. Mm-hmm. And I will say my feelings changed multiple times. Okay. So all this internet sleuthing is going on and F Factor sort of fast tracks releasing a certificate of analysis is what they say. And they sort of make another statement saying that they are blaming sort of the whole thing on, quote, misinformation generated by a handful of people on social media and says it is, quote, extraordinarily upsetting that some of you have been caused worry by false and malicious assertions, most of them made anonymously. 
Mm. That's on August 22nd. Two days after that, the New York Times picks up the story. Mm-hmm. Here is one of the stories that gets printed in that Times piece. Uh-uh-uh-uh. It says, one woman who said she was underweight paid $20,000 to become Ms. Zuckerberg's client. The regimented nature of the program exacerbated her issues with food, she said, and after eight months of drinking shakes made with the F-Factor powder, the woman developed excruciating red spots that required a biopsy. Both these women said their symptoms disappeared when they stopped the diet. It is worth noting that Tanya Zuckerbrot, for her point, says that she has only rarely accepted underweight clients and usually with the goal of helping them gain weight. Okay. The biggest bombshell of the story is that in reaching out to verify these claims, the first people to do what I would consider to be real shoe leather journalism on this topic, they verify the majority of the claims that they are given. And there's one that turns out to be a hoax. Hmm. The one that turns out to be a hoax is the miscarriage claim. Oh, as it turns out, after sending in that complaint, someone emails Tanya Zuckerbrot and an Instagram executive to claim credit for that false claim. Okay. The email comes from a Gmail account called crazy cancel culture at gmail.com. Oh, it's like a right wing troll. It is a former Instagram influencer named Allison Brett Schneider. Uh huh. At the time she was 44 She happily talks to the New York Times and says that she herself had been subject to what she considered an unfair pile-on on Instagram a couple of years earlier. Rachel Cargill, who is a public intellectual, posted about Nia Wilson, who was a young black woman who was murdered at a BART station in 2018. God. And in her post about it said, I'm waiting for your favorite white feminist to post about Nia Wilson. A bunch of white feminists responded and a number of them were like, got it on board. But Alison Brett Schneider went fully off the rails. Uh. So here is what happened next. Oh God, this is like a weird little like Instagram nightmare turducken. (laughs) Precursor scandals. It really is. So this, this synopsis (laughs) that you're about to read from comes from the cut. It says in messages later shared by Cargill on Instagram, Brett Schneider called Cargill shameful and a clown, accusing her of alienating women. She also threatened Cargill's followers and, according to some, reached out to their employers to complain about them. Her Instagram account was subsequently suspended for bullying and she is now suing Instagram. Brett Schneider told the Times that she planted the false miscarriage story because she couldn't stand silently by and watch Zuckerbrot be attacked by people on Instagram. Wait, okay. Yeah. So this woman, Allison, <laughs> she is basically called out for like only focusing on like the problems of white people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Instead of like responding to this maturely, she's like goes on the fucking warpath against the person who called her out. And her followers. And her followers. And is eventually kicked off of Instagram. She then like stews in her anger. <laughs> for some period of time she sees people writing on the internet about these gastrointestinal symptoms of f-factor so she makes up an even more extreme version of this like food poisoning claim specifically so that it will be debunked and then discredit all of the other 
people claiming to have problems? Yeah, that appears to be the mechanics of this decision. She's doing the thing where, like, she wants to prove how easy it is to lie on the internet. So she lies on the internet. (laughs) This is like the Instagram version of Leopold and Loeb, but not good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's like, I'm going to show how easy it is to pull off this thing. And then you're like, no, you didn't show that. This time around in these follow-up pieces, Tanya seems significantly less on message. She tells Insider that, quote, the accusations were an example of anti-diet advocacy gone too far and a harassment campaign to ruin her career. This is where we get into Roni territory. Why don't you eat some bread, you beast? How dare you? It's my favorite thing. I'm assuming these are all references to Real Housewives. You haven't seen that clip? I'm, I'm not a part of the Real Housewives fan base i'm sending you a clip immediately upon the ending of this episode recording i can't wait i can't wait i can't wait she also starts defending in this wave of stories against these sort of accusations about disordered eating and her response pretty continuously is like well if you have an eating disorder you shouldn't be on this diet and it's like well tanya yeah that's that's not everyone has a diagnosed eating disorder that's kind of a privilege right like right there are a lot more people who have 15.99 in their pockets for a diet book than have hundreds or thousands of dollars for diagnosis right. and treatment of an eating disorder right and also Starting diets is how many people find out that they have an eating disorder or develop one to begin with. Right. It's also, it's a very difficult thing to define too. There's not like a clear line. It's kind of like, when does someone become an alcoholic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really a judgment call. This all culminates in this story getting so big that Tanya goes on the Today Show to release the certificates of analysis and sort of address this growing firestorm. This is normally when we would watch that clip. There's not a lot to see there, honestly. It's clear that she has good PR help. It's clear that she has a good legal team. They're sort of keeping her on track. It's really just like our products are totally safe. You can see from this certificate of analysis, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So by September 4th, we're now like one month, right? From the Dumois podcast as all of this has happened in one month. Insider reports that the company appears to be threatening lawsuits against its critics and that it is deleting comments on Instagram. Okay. And when Insider asks them, are you doing this? Tanya Zuckerbrot says, well, quote, we felt we were following community guidelines when it was slander. When people say your products have lead and are poisoning people or I lost my period and we know that there's absolutely zero correlation between our product and those claims, why would you leave that there? Mm -hmm. So they start sending cease and desist to people who were making comments on Instagram. Wait, what? Really? You can do that? Apparently they did it. Whoa. You can tell people to knock it off by way of a lawyer on a lot of different things. Can I do that to people who comment on my YouTube videos? (laughs) Oh, this guy sucks. No, I don't. Cease and desist. My mom says I'm cool. So like, not only are they sending them to people who are on Instagram, they're sending them to former employees. Running to the mods incredible move and once again we hear from people who were sort of on the diet and use the products there's one former dieter named ann mccall she's a 60 year old in california who had some of the wild um, side effects from using these products and doing this diet 
And she told Insider, quote, it's like, hey, a lot of women are saying something's happening. Why don't you take some responsibility and at least look into it? That's all I wanted. I just don't want anyone else to get hurt. Right. We're like at the peak of this thing. And people who've been on the diet, people who've used the products are still saying, can you just acknowledge that this is a thing? Yeah. And maybe say you're sorry. Do you think that if she had gone on the Today Show and been like super honest and like we're really concerned about these reports as well, we're looking into it. Do you think that she could have like weathered this? I think that had she done that way earlier, she could have. I yeah. think by the time it got to the Today Show, things were already in motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a point at which they set up a Google form and they're like, hey, submit your stories here. We really okay. do want to look into them, blah, 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 blah. But it's so far down the line of right. this stuff. Right. I think that you're right that they could have managed this at an earlier time or they could do what they did do which is that Tanya did a 40-minute Instagram Live to read a prepared statement. 40 minutes? Yep. That's a long statement. She um, says sort of toward the outset, quote, at a later date, I will be able to provide the names of those behind this smear campaign. The smear campaign began with personal attacks against me, my husband, my family. Then they questioned the safety of the F-Factor products. Then they questioned the safety of the F-Factor diet. Now they are questioning the culture of the company. And she sort of previews that she knows an insider piece is coming out about the work culture Uh, at F-Factor. Dude, I don't know that, like, there's a conspiracy against me is ever the move. No! (laughs) To my mind, this is my interpretation of what we have read and learned so far, is that this is someone who's just been spending so much time on the internet and is getting internet poisoned. I was just going to say, this seems like some internet brain rot many such cases this is too much time in the comments too much time on the subreddit everyone's out to get me like i have absolutely like been there on like spending too much time thinking about what the internet thinks of you yeah it doesn't lead to good or clear thinking nor does it lead to sound strategy like it's not it once you reach a certain level of like public figuredom the most important thing is to not seek out commentary about yourself (laughs) i had a friend at one point send me a celebrity net worth page that's one of those like celebrity facts that was about me oh my god and when i tell you every single thing on it was like comically wrong (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, yeah. she's worth three million dollars and she's five foot two and i was like no and no my mom texted me to tell me that someone I guess, wrote a Wikipedia entry about me. Oh, God. I was like, I don't want this because then I'm going to be tempted to fix it. (laughs) And then it's like, Michael Hobbs is writing his own Wikipedia page, which is like the biggest fucking loser energy. But then she then texted like another day later and she's like, someone deleted it. Good. Bless whoever was like, this man is not famous enough to be on Wikipedia. (laughs) Yes. Fully agree. So... A couple days after that, Insider releases their story on the work culture at F-Factor. They spoke with 20 former employees of F-Factor. One of the former employees was a registered dietitian who worked for F-Factor. She said that they were understood to be, quote unquote, selling skinniness and that any foods 
you eat in the office should be part of step one. Like you should always be performing that you are on the most restrictive step of this diet. You should be the most compliant. Oh, another employee said that they had had a birthday celebration and they had had mini cupcakes and Tanya allegedly told them to quote, take them home. We aren't eating these in the office. Okay. So just like kind of like weird mean girl behavior. She is like, in this very sort of hardline 80s, 90s diet mindset. And this all feels like part and parcel of that, right? That's like, I'm doing you a favor by keeping you on track. Right. One of them was from an early employee who alleges in this insider story that Tanya instructed her to come up with a fake backstory about having been fat and lost weight so that clients would feel like she understood what it was like to be fat and try to lose weight. This person was a lifelong thin person. You should make up the fact that you were once 10 pounds heavier than you are now. Yeah, be like me and say you weighed 24 pounds yeah. more once. My willpower. And then there is this last one. It says, Sarah, the former dietitian who asked that we not include her real name, told Zuckerbrot once jokingly told a male client that if he lost a certain amount of weight, Sarah would perform oral sex on him. Sarah said she was present when Zuckerbrot made the joke. It was terribly embarrassing, and it was so degrading, she said. Another former employee, the one who worked at F-Factor for four years, told Insider that she heard the joke and witnessed Sarah's mortified reaction. Insider contacted the male client who denied ever hearing those words uttered by Zuckerbrook. So according to this allegation, Tanya basically said, like, if you lose enough weight, she'll blow you. Yes, my employee. Two of the employees heard this, and the client himself says he doesn't remember it. So in this Insider piece... Tanya and F Factor pretty flatly deny almost every experience that folks share, every allegation that is made. Yeah. At one point, she says, like, here's how much I didn't police what people ate. One of the few times that I remember telling someone to eat differently was actually because a staff member was too thin and it made a client uncomfortable. Okay. Like, I get that that's the product that you're selling, but also, like... I don't know, man. This is wild, boundaryless behavior to have your boss tell you right. what size to be. We didn't do a biggest loser competition. We did a biggest gainer competition. Okay. Congratulations. You did it in reverse. And now yeah. it's like good, I guess. It's also no. sort of weird. Yeah. Around this same time, some Instagram posts that have since been deleted from Tanya's account okay. start recirculating. And I just went ahead and sent you two of those screen grabs. Oh, God. They're like, <laughs> they're, yep. they're like really ugly memes, just like aesthetically ugly. So yep. one of them is just a square with text in it. And it's like a weird lime green. And it says, how to lose weight, turn your head to the left and then turn it to the right. Repeat this exercise whenever offered food. Yep. Hey, I see what you did there, Tanya. It's just such a weird, quippy, dismissive way of talking about something that like many, many, many people have deep, hard feelings about. It's just really shitty. It's the kind of thing where people say, you know, that their moms used to say these awful little aphorisms like a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. Yeah. Or like the horrible Kate Moss thing of like nothing tastes as good as being skinny feels. Totally. Or All just of like, it. oh, this is just dick stuff this is just like yep. a mean sort of like thing to put out into the world totally so that's the left hand one and then the right hand one is a photo of like a very thin woman in a bikini and it's like 
her head is cut off and it's kind of zoomed in on her torso. And then the text, again, it's just so ugly. It looks like it's been screen grabbed like 50 million times. It says, so you'd really rather have a bag of chips than look like this? Right. I don't think like boomer memes are are the most productive way to have these conversations. You don't think if they added a minion to these, they'd be more effective? I just think like being skinny is cool memes are just always it's just kind of a cursed genre. So on October 8th, 2020, Tanya files suit against Emily Gellis Landy. Oh, wow. Her attorneys say that before Emily's claims, F Factor was making a million dollars a month. And their revenue is now less than $90,000 a month. Yeah, that makes sense. The ruling goes in Tanya's favor on this. Emily was reposting a bunch of unverified stuff. Mm-hmm. And there is like some legal analysis out there on this that is like, uh, we're not sure about this call that the court made. Oh, yeah. So Emily is now appealing that decision. Okay. About two years later, on October 12, 2022, a group of former F-Factor dieters sue Tanya specifically over damages they say were caused by F-Factor products. Mm. These are all of the sort of like internal bleeding, gastric distress, intestinal blockage, all of that kind of stuff. That lawsuit is ongoing. Depositions have taken place, but it hasn't reached a resolution. And then in March of 2022, Tanya sues Emily Again. Oh, wow. The rationale for that suit is basically she didn't stop making these claims, so we're suing her again. Okay. Essentially, all three of these lawsuits are ongoing. And I think that the thing that makes me sad about this story is that in all of the who knows who, in all of the back and forth and sort of like New York high society Dumois of it all... The thing that feels like it really got lost is anyone figuring out why people had these reactions. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. Have we ever gotten any like FDA, CDC, whoever investigation of this? Nobody's stepping in. It's supplements. Huh. So what we know at this point is that a lot of the GI symptoms are likely potentially due to an excess of fiber or a dramatic increase in fiber from where folks were. Some of the hives and rashes stuff can be explained potentially if people are allergic to whey. The powders and bars both Mm. use whey. Mm. But then there is this whole other category of like, why was someone losing their hair? Did anyone call and check and make sure that that was happening? What do you think happened? Do you have a sense of like what the actual truth is from all this? I don't. I don't in part because there isn't quite enough grounding. Right. I mean, they've got their certificates of analysis, but they are redacted. And those just say, here's what's in the ingredients that we put into the powders. And here's what's in the powders themselves. F factor seems to have assumed that like, it isn't that people were doing their diet that they or using their products that they had these experiences. They're assuming that that's because they did the diet wrong or used the products incorrectly. Right. Right. And dieters assumed that too. When people started having these negative responses, they just assumed it was something else or couldn't be explained or was an existing health issue or that they were doing the diet or using the products wrong. Right. The sort of start and finish of any stories like these about diets for weight loss is if it didn't work, it's your fault. Right. And that's sort of everyone's assumption. It's also kind of a dilemma to know how to cover stories like this because 
you have the the central problem of essentially an unregulated space. Yeah. That leans toward like believing whatever claims that people make about like this this product harmed me. Mm. But then you also really do have like real dynamics of like internet pylons. Yes. So it's sort of just like a bunch of internet rumors, but the internet rumors do seem to follow a pattern and then the response has been really bad. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the underlying claims are true. Right. You know, people can respond very badly to false accusations. They can also respond very badly to true accusations. There's basically no one refereeing this and being like, we're looking into this and actually trying to find out what happened. Totally. That I was like, actually, I feel like the core story here, which has been like, Tanya versus Emily, whose side are you on, is how a lot of it has gotten presented. And I'm like... Okay, but what about the 60-year-old lady from California whose eyes swelled up? Right. There are people who went through real shit who are not rich people in New York City. Yeah, it's it's a weird sort of like information age story because these things end up playing out on social media. Mm. You basically just have like people litigating things like this and quote-unquote investigating Things like this online, yeah, which is just a really shitty way to find out the truth. Yeah, it is just like ultimately just like a bunch of people saying stuff at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and like exactly no right. actual agency that's been able to establish like really basic facts about like how many cases of these there are, when it happened, how they've resolved, etc. Right? Did they seek medical care? If so, what did their healthcare providers say? Yeah. Have we run any kind of test on everyone or on batches of the product that they were using? Right. Left with no one to run point on getting to the bottom of this. People are sort of going to the company and being like, why aren't you getting to the bottom of it? Yeah. I sort of understand being like, well, fuck, man, you're the one who sold it to me. Yeah. And also we do systemically need more regulatory muscle than people just individually going to companies and being like, can you please tell me? And companies going, no, I'm not going to. This is not the way to like reduce the incidence of food poisoning in the population. (laughs) Or whatever this was, right? Yeah, exactly. So the only real coda that I have for this story is that Tanya Zuckerbrot and her husband have moved to Boca Raton, Florida, which I learned from the Boca Observer in a post that was tagged La Vida Boca. (laughs) Okay. They must use that for like half their headlines a week. I'm sure they do. It really tickled me. (laughs) It was either that or Almond Boca. She has shifted and reduced her online presence pretty significantly, particularly on Twitter, um, where she only really seems to post marketing tweets when like F-Factor stuff is on sale Uh or whatever. And gets very few responses. And when she does get responses, they are responses like the one I just sent you in the chat. Oh, it just says, OMG, you're that woman from the Fiber podcast. It is one of two responses (laughs) to this post. Wow. Yeah. So basically, at the end of all this, nobody knows anything. We're no closer to knowing the truth. But one person is spending less time on Twitter. (laughs) That's a happy ending. (laughs) 